Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I have spoken in the past with my next guest, Elizabeth. She's a 40-year-old Ontario woman who was born with cancer and couldn't tell anyone until she was three and could begin to talk about the horrific pain that she suffered. That was when a grapefruit-sized tumor was found at the base of her spine. Throughout her life, Elizabeth Lizzie has undergone significant surgery after surgery. Radiation has destroyed the structure of the base of her spine. Between 2004 and 2006, Lizzie had three reconstructive spinal surgeries done by surgeons who'd never previously performed the procedure. Since then, she's endured constant sciatica. Doctors today don't know whether removing the surgical implants would make life better or worse for Lizzie. So she lives with terrible, chronic, constant agony. And in recent years, because of illegal opioid abuse, chronic pain patients have suffered. Lizzie's multi-decade quality-of-life-restoring medications have been cut back dramatically. She can now no longer engage in activities which brought her joy. Like her artwork, the pain is just too severe. Her doctor is retiring. can imagine why. Tired of being questioned by the College of Physicians and Surgeons. And at the college, they insist, and I know they're listening, they insist they're not telling doctors not to prescribe opioid pain medications. Well, I've got doctors who are telling me off the air now, but we had them telling us on the air a couple of years ago that they were being told to not prescribe or to very, very uh, cautiously prescribe. And so doctors, and we had doctors say this on the air, my license is more important to me in my life than prescribing the medications. It was an American doctor who said that to us, but I've had Canadian doctors uh, corroborate that off the air. So Elizabeth has no replacement doctor yet and has concerns that her medications may be cut even further. It's time that we speak with Elizabeth. She, um, she's she been a guest on this program before. She recorded a conversation with a member of the College of Physicians and Surgeons, and we played that back on the air about two years ago, and the total indifference of the individual from the college whose job it was to, uh, to represent the interests of pain patients, the indifference was really um, stunning. Uh, Elizabeth's story is available in a Chatelaine article from 2019, headlined, This is Destroying My Life. Please do something. Hi, Lizzie. Hi, Ray. This is a question that matters. It's not a throwaway question, but it often is when people ask it. How are you? Um, I'm, I'm alive. <laughs> um, I'm in pain every day, and uh, I'm not getting enough medication to at least just be comfortable. When people think of pain, they think about perhaps pain that they've experienced, maybe even the pain of a broken bone or something that is problematic but heals over a period of time. When you think of pain and the pain you live live with, Lizzie, what is it like? What is it like to live with the pain that you live with 24-7? It never goes away. It never gets better. It's only getting worse as I get older. And there's no relief. There's no day to look forward to when it might be gone. 
it'll never be gone. And, so. and and you're unable to do the things, the simple things in life, that other people can do, and just get enjoyment out of you. You you can't do those. No, just everything I do is, is causes me severe pain. Uh, I struggle just to the day to day chores to keep my house together and um, take care of my dog and and me and that 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 is just an excruciating chore. So you told me you can't sit down. No. You can't lie down. No. But you need to. Uh, you 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 get some relief from walking for a little bit, and then that becomes a significant problem, and and your 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 life has just dominated by this pain. Yeah, it is, and uh, the walking is the only relief I get, and I can't walk twenty four seven. Eventually, that tires me out and there's just there's no relief so the medications that you were getting and these are prescription medications that are the prescriptions written by a doctor and the prescriptions filled by a pharmacist the prescriptions that you were receiving when you were receiving the medication that the amount of medication that helped you how much did that improve your life it improved my life significantly. Uh, there was at least a decade where the doc, the pain specialist I had had found the proper dose to keep me at that provided me great relief, and I was able to do art, and I was doing art shows and uh, selling my art online, and really, I really enjoyed painting and um, doing all that, but I haven't painted in a couple of years now. Um, I can't stand in an easel. I can't sit at a, an art desk. I, it's just impossible. But they uh, cut my prescriptions down by less than half of what I had been getting overnight. And it just caused me great agony. and took everything my entire life away. And you were receiving what is generically described as opioid pain medications. Yes. And you were in consultation with your doctor on a regular basis about the medications you received, the, the quantity you received, the strength of the medication you received. This wasn't something that uh, they wrote your prescription with a never-ending refill formula, right? No, I saw my doctor every month. So when you were told that your medication was going to be reduced by more than half, how did that conversation take place? What were you told? Um, my doctor told me when I came in that day that he had bad news for me and uh, that he wouldn't be able to continue prescribing to me what I'd been getting um, that was helping me. And uh, that day he wrote me out a prescription for less than half of what I'd been getting. And um, I begged him and pleaded with him to to not do this, and he said it was out of his control, but um, he was under investigation for prescribing what he had been prescribing to me, so he had to make these changes immediately or lose his license. So he felt under duress from the medical authorities yeah. over prescribing what was helping you live your life. Yeah. You're not an addict. No. You don't take drugs for entertainment value. No. I've actually met with an addiction doctor twice now just to have 
in my file that I'm not an addict. And the addiction doctor, uh, when I saw him both times, he said that I should feel insulted for being sent to him. Um, you've lived your whole life in pain. Yeah. Now, I told a bit of your story, but it's better if we hear it from you. Tell us, please, from the beginning, what it is that you have experienced, being, beginning with being born with cancer. <clears throat> I was born with a large, great fruit-sized tumor on my spine, but it was completely internal, so nobody knew it was there. And I cried a lot. They thought I was colicky, but nobody found the tumor until I was around three years old. I, I really hurt for me to sit down, and I started complaining whenever I was forced to sit down that I couldn't sit. And um, I talked about how much it hurt on my backside and my back hurt. And they, uh, my mom was bringing me to doctors, and t- she took me to quite a few doctors uh, that had told her that I was just uh, not eating the right foods and um, that my mom was hysterical. And she finally found a doctor that ran the tests and found the tumor. And I was on an operating table that day when they found it. And uh, <clears throat> they removed the tumor. They removed the base of my spine. I did a year and a half of chemo and 20 days of cobalt radiation. And um, I, uh, the, the radiation destroyed all the uh, muscles and fat tissue in my hips and lower back and butt area and uh, caused me dis- like a dis- disfigurement and... Um, I eventually got reconstructive surgery for that in 2004, and uh, they had never done what they had to do for me. Uh, a couple of neurosurgeons and a plastic surgeon um, decided what they could thought they could do, and they did three surgeries. And then since then, I, those surgeries were supposed to fix my disfigurement and reduce my pain, but they ended up creating new pain. And um, they they fixed the disfigurement a, a small bit, not much, not what I had hoped, but um, the significant increase in pain um, has been uh, caused me great agony since then. And I've seen the doctors, other doctors as well, about it, and they don't know what to do um, to, to fix it. It's the implant is pinching my sciatic nerve and. Um, because of how long it's been like this, it could have caused permanent damage, and removing it could increase my pain. Um, they suspect, so they don't. They they're not sure. Nobody knows what to do. And the simple thing that they could do is return you to the prescription that you uh, were issued for a decade, and allow you to transcend this agony that you live in. And and re- return to some quality of life. That would be the simplest thing to do, yes. Um, yours were cut overnight by more than 50%, yeah? Yeah, yes, they were. Could you walk across the room really easily right now? Um, I, I can walk across the room, but it causes me pain. I'm sitting right now, and that's causing me pain. It hurts to sit. It's a hurt to sit down my entire life. They've never been able to get rid of that pain for me. What do you want to say to the people who regulate and control the opioid pain medications that provide relief 
uh, quality of life and opportunity to enjoy their lives somewhat again. What do you want to say to those people? You're not saving anybody's life by by cutting our medication. You're you're destroying lives. My life has been destroyed, and other pain patients like me, lives have been destroyed. Some have been ended due to this, and nobody is being saved by by cutting off our medication. Do you find any doctors who want to help you? No, the, I've been searching for new doctors, and as soon as a doctor finds out what medication I take, they don't even want to see me. So you can't even get get on a, get on a, on a doctor's patient roster. No, it's very difficult. I haven't found a new doctor. I will lose my doctor in December, and I'm in consultations currently to find a new doctor. I don't know what will happen come December or the new year. That's really scary. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty terrified right now. I, I don't know how we can be so gratuitously, systematically cruel and put you through this kind of agony every single day of your life. We're supposed to be a compassionate, caring society. And the stories like yours are many. There's no comfort in that for you, Elizabeth. No. But but there are so many stories of people who are struggling, and uh, you know quite rightly. I mean, I, I see emails right now coming in saying, "But if I were a drug addict and, and buying drugs, if I didn't have a medical issue, a medical reason to be uh, taking opioids, if I were a um, addicted to drugs, I, I would get help." But but you can't get the medications you require to simply live your life in the United States. There was maybe the courts need to get involved because in the U.S. a few weeks ago, a court awarded seven million dollars in damages against doctors in a pain clinic to a family whose husband and father had committed suicide after pain medications were significantly withdrawn. Seven million dollars. Maybe the courts need to get involved. Elizabeth, I, uh, you and I have been talking for years, and there's there's no way that you should be denied. What, what you require to live your life and have some, some substantial improvement to your life and some substantial reduction to the pain you're suffering. Uh, I, I've, I've talked about this, about this on the air. My wife, when she was dying of cancer and a particularly aggressive and nasty cancer, was in terrible, terrible, terrible pain. And they provided her with enough pain medication, which probably would have satisfied our seven-pound Yorkie had he needed it, but it certainly wasn't good enough enough for her. And that's just systemic. And and would you say that your sense is that doctors are scared? Yeah, the doctors are terrified of losing their licenses. And I'm sure that's why as soon as they find out what I take, they don't want to even see me. They don't want to deal with that headache. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.